0: Cohorn over the next couple of weeks. So keep them in your prayers as well. So 30 years ago, the 20th anniversary of this church, uh, one of our shepherds had some remarks that I feel like are kind of timeless. And he's still a shepherd today, Todd Miller. So I wanted to share these with you all. He affirmed uh, this. He said, the Preston Crest Church of Christ was established with the expressed purpose Of glorifying God, upholding His Word, and taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost souls. During these years, the Lord has blessed this effort. Souls have been led to Christ, people have grown spiritually, and many physical and spiritual needs have been met. He went on in that statement to acknowledge that this is an imperfect church made up of imperfect church members and imperfect leaders, no doubt. And really, that is one of the ways God receives the glory, because it is so evident that it's not because of us. This is not a people project here. God involves us, to be sure, But this is a God project, and he receives ever more glory as he works through regular folks like us. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 115, verse 1, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Would you read that with me? Not to us, Lord, not to us but to your name be the glory. That's a good life statement. If you're looking for a mission statement, there you go. Not to me, not to me, but to you be the glory. Well, I was thinking, and I need your participation here for just a minute or two, as we declare this morning, because of him, I was thinking of just a list of ways that God has blessed people, has formed people, has challenged people here over the past five decades, and this is not anywhere close to being an exhaustive list, but I just want a little participation. If I ask a question, and your answer is yes to this question, would you just raise your hand? I just want us to get an idea of how God has been blessing people here. I didn't even have this one in my notes, but I'll start out with this one because I'm just looking around, and I know this is true of some of us. How many of us, you met your spouse here at Preston Crest? Raise your hand. Look around. (laughs) Not to us, but to you be the glory. Because some of you really needed God's intervention there. uh, Some of you guys. So, he still moves stones, folks. If you were baptized in the name of Jesus in this church, would you raise your hand? Not to us, but to you be the glory. If your children have learned about God, have learned about the gospel, have learned about the word of God in this church, would you raise your hand? I can raise my hand on that one. If your marriage has been blessed in some way by the prayers, the teaching, the support of this church, would you raise your hand? I got my hand up on that one for sure. If you've experienced the power of God in your life unleashed because the people of this church were praying for you, would you raise your hand? It's because of you, God. It's not because of us. And there's so many more questions that we could ask, so many more things we could affirm about how God has used this group, this collection of people, this flock at Preston Crest. But we just remember today, it is because of him. Now, different congregations... This is a popular thing, right? To think about what's different about us. What makes our church at our address unique? And what, there are a lot of things about Preston Crest. One of them that always kind of gets people to go, whoa, is right now, March 2022, our church members come from 121 different zip codes. That's pretty, pretty unique and kind of cool, I guess. Also creates some challenges, I might say. Um, It's unique, and I've been told this was true really from the beginning years, and Todd and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, how Preston Crest has always had large groups of young couples, still do today, and young single adults, and that's still true today. Not every church can say that, but that's been one of the ways that this church has been a little bit different. I, I like this one. It's true that we are in one of America's major cities. But there is something peculiar about Preston Crest in terms of the small town feel of this church. And it's a good thing. There's a friendliness, there's a folksiness, and as I've heard from people before, it's because so many of us, myself included, were born and raised in small towns. And something unique about Preston Crest is we just bring a little bit of that small town flavor here to this church. And I would say this, before we move on, those things matter, certainly do. It's part of the personality of this gathering of people. But there is a certain danger in always focusing on what makes one church, our church, a little bit different, right? Right? There's some danger in in focusing on those separators and missing out on the big thing. And the big thing is that our identity is an identity as the people of God. That's a big thing. The big thing is we have been redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and we share those things in common with so many believers around Dallas and beyond. And we don't want to miss that point we don't want to miss the big one. Thinking about missing the point, and it's like the lady who showed up really late for work one day, and her boss said, You really should have been here at 8 30. And she said, Why? What happens at 8 30? You know, can miss the point. And there's nothing more tragic in life then missing the point of life. And Jesus had a lot to say about the point of life. At one point, he said this famous statement, Mark chapter 8, what does it profit a man to gain, think about this, to gain the whole world, to have everything and forfeit his soul? What a foundational Spiritual truth from our Lord today. Nothing plus God is everything. Having everything but not having God, as we'd say in Missouri, doesn't doesn't amount to a hill of beans, it's worthless. So we're going to be in Exodus 33 this morning for a brief time. This is a scripture I preached on several years ago, but these words came back to me today as this is what we need to think about today. It's Moses, it's Israel, it's God, they're in the shadow of Mount Sinai. Moses is mature, kind of like this church, we're 50 years old now, we're mature. Moses was mature In his case, he was closer, much closer probably to the end of life than to the beginning. He had been some places. He had met some people. He had been rebuked. He had been redeemed. He had been blessed. He had been betrayed. And with all of those ups and downs, there is a basic theme in Exodus 33. And it's this affirmation of Moses, Lord, I'm where I am today because of you. My life, Moses kind of says, it only makes sense. You can only tell my story if we lean on you, God, as the main character, right? I'm not even the star of my own life. And so Moses, here he is, he's seasoned, he's mature, closer to the end than to the beginning, comes down from a literal mountaintop experience where he and God spent time together together. He communed with Yahweh. And he gets down from the mountain and he sees the people. These are his people. And you remember this. He sees them encircling this golden calf. In a matter of weeks, they have become completely idolatrous. It's really shocking. I mean... In recent history, just think about the context, how quickly they they went into idolatry. In recent history, Moses and the people, they had seen the Lord liberate them from the world's true superpower, Egypt. Through miracles and plagues, Egypt was brought to her knees and Israel was set free. And it was because of him. They had witnessed the sea open up and they had walked across on dry land because of him. They didn't do that. They had wandered through the Negev, this desolate region, and they hadn't died of thirst or died of hunger because of him. He took care of them. A pillar of cloud by day would guide them. A pillar of fire by night would remind them that it was because of him that they they were who they were and that they were going where they were going to the promised land. And they were headed to a land of milk and honey because of him and because of promises God had made to their ancestor, Abraham. And so now, We get in Exodus 33, Moses, the leader, disappears for a few weeks to get guidance from God, comes down from the mountain, and there they are, worshiping this image made of gold. What a crushing betrayal for Moses more than that, obviously. What a heartbreaker for God. I mean, we can dismiss this vision of people dancing and and. uh, carousing and worshiping this golden calf. It's primitive. It's prehistoric. It, It has nothing to do with us today in the year 2022. Or we can be humble and confessional and real and we can use passages like this to kind of look in the mirror and think about ourselves, how easy it is for me, how easy it is for us To forget how we got where we are today. How in a matter of even weeks, we can kind of lose sight of who we are. We are who we are because God sent His Son to redeem us and to claim us as His sons and daughters. Amen? That's who we are. We are who we are, not because of what we have done but because of what he has done on our behalf. He has been answering prayers here since before 50 years ago. Even when this was just a germ of an idea that five different congregations around Dallas had. And he's been providing ever since and protecting us ever since. Praise you, God. It's because of you. And so today, we just kind of come to a place of humbly acknowledging, right, that, like Israel, we can sometimes kind of forget where our life comes from individually, maybe sometimes even as a church. We can kind of lose touch with how He has blessed us in our families, He's blessed us as a church, how He's redeemed us, how He's promised eternity to us, how He's given His Spirit to live in us, How we're headed to heaven. We just sang about that. Our spiritual promised land. We can kind of forget about those things. And so Lord today we just declare to you. It's because of you. We are who we are because of you. We have what we have because of you. You alone are God. And we worship you Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. By the way we got to just acknowledge this. In this story, you're talking about Moses. He's a guy, a great guy, but he was not perfect. He was human. How easy it would have been at this point in his journey to just, just resign as leader. I mean, at this point or at any other point earlier, when the people complained or when they said, hey, can you let us turn around and go back to Egypt. How easy it would have been as they're at this moment worshiping this golden calf for Moses just kind of said, I've had it, I'm done, you know. But those were his people. And this is the remarkable thing. He chose to believe in the power of God to work in him, an imperfect leader, and to work in these very imperfect people for his glory, Right? And that's not just Moses' story and this people at this moment. It's the story of God and his people since the beginning. And there's a word for the Bible in this. As you believe that God can use somebody like you and some church like this one, the word in the Bible is the word faith. Faith. So we're a people of hope and optimism and confidence because we believe that even... In a fallen world, with fallen people, God can and regularly does some pretty amazing things. So all of a sudden, this is really to me, Every good story, you have this dramatic arc of the story. The apex of the story where all of the tension happens in Exodus chapter 33 is when God makes a proposal to Moses, which is often missed, which can easily be skipped over, but it is a simply stunning proposal. It goes a little bit like this. God says, hey, Moses, I've got an offer for you. Go ahead Take the people, I mean, they were so close to the promised land. Take the people, go to the promised land. It's yours. God says, I will send my angel with you. And my angel will will defeat all of your enemies. And you will go and take possession of this land flowing with milk and honey. But there's one thing, there's one rider on this covenant. Here it is, I'm not going with you. Seriously, Exodus 33, God says, you go, it's all yours, I'm staying behind. After this betrayal, my presence will not go with you. Essentially, God told Moses, you can have it all. You can have everything, all of those promises, just not me. Verses 1 to 3. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt. Go to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I, God says, I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezrites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you. I'm not going lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. (laughs) Now, let's be real for a second. That offer is one that still challenges people today. Individuals, organizations, churches. The offer of having the success, having the numerical success, having the impact success in the community, having fame, having fortune, having it all just keeping God at a distance, right? That's still something that's before us today. I mean, Israel could have gone in with the help of this angel God would send. They could have conquered the promised land. They could have enjoyed all sorts of material success. They could have gone from being a loose confederation of 12 tribes to being a nation that was to be reckoned with. In the ancient world, one thing they could no longer have. The presence of God. It's a shocker that God made this offer. Now, you're probably ahead of me on this. I think God knew his servant. (laughs) I think God knew Moses very well. And God knew this would not be of interest to his servant Moses. By the way, Jesus... The incarnation of Yahweh who arrived on our planet in the first century. Jesus never forced anyone to call him Lord. Never coerced anyone or manipulated them into being his disciple. And often the, the sermons, the preaching of Jesus actually managed to lose disciples for him. Right? People would say, I can't handle that, or I don't, no, that's too hard. They would turn away from him. And Jesus, here's the thing, Jesus loved people. The understatement of the millennium, right? He loved people like no one has ever loved people. And Jesus, well, he realized love does not intimidate. Love does not manipulate. Love does not give orders. It invites. It woos. It encourages but because of his great love, Jesus left it up to people, people like us, how we would respond to his invitation, come follow me. Well, Moses' response to God, he goes into the tent of meeting. Interesting, right? Tent of meeting, we find out in, in Exodus 33. It's a place where God and Moses met together like a man meets with another man friend to friend face to face there in the tent of meeting not exactly face to face but but it was an intimate conversation there and there in the tent of meeting Moses reminded God you are the one who called me to lead these people you are the one who put me in this spot and God these are your people I love his answer to the proposal the Lord made. Exodus 33:15 and 16. Moses said to God, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. We're not going anywhere, right? If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? Isn't that what makes us distinctive? So that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? It's not how much money we have. It's not how big an army we have. It's not how impressive our capital city is. It's because we're yours. That's what makes us different. And I believe God knew that choice that Moses would make. And so he immediately tells his friend Moses there in the next verse. This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. In other words, I'll go with. I won't take my presence from you, Moses. And I love this intimate friend-to-friend conversation. There's this pushback on the proposal that God has put before Moses. The people and I can have everything. We can have the promised land. We can see the defeat of our enemies. We can have a secure future. We can enjoy the milk and honey of Canaan's land. But you're not going with us. Nah, we'll stay here. Rather be in the desert with you than in the land of plenty without you. I love that. I love that story. I love that Moses wanted so clearly more than anything. He wanted a relationship with God. He would not accept anything less than that. And as our shepherds read those scriptures today, as they walked us through these vision, kind of calling out statements, these affirmations, as they prayed to God, I hope you heard echoes of Exodus 33, echoes of we're not going anywhere without you, God. We're here because you brought us here. And we don't want to take a step unless it aligns with your heart and your vision for us. It's because of you. We don't want to take a step if you're not going with us. Thank you for the last 50 years. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But we don't want to move an inch unless you're going with us from this place. And we need to be honest and humble this morning. We have a pretty good idea of what's gone on here the last 50 years. We have no idea what's going to go on here in the next 50 years. We can dream, we can vision, we can make plans. We don't know if there's going to be a hundredth anniversary of this church. We don't know if there's going to be a 75th. We don't know if there's going to be a 60th. I'm not trying to pour cold water on the day. I'm just, we don't know. And so the choosing, and it's always been this way since the last chapter in the book of Joshua, the choosing is today Today, I'm not taking a step without you. Today, I need you. Today, I choose not to worship this, that, or the other thing, but only you, Father, only you, Jesus, only you, Holy Spirit. That's my choice today. And I pray that we have many more years of changed marriages, of hearts given to Jesus, of children growing up at this church. I pray that that is our future. But whatever the future is, I think I speak for us this morning, we don't want any future where God's not going with us. So faithful, God has been faithful to us. And may His Spirit help us. We need a lot of help. Help us be faithful to you, Lord, over the years to come. Now, this morning, there's an invitation. One that's been echoing from pulpits like this for centuries now. Will you follow Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior Have you been buried in baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? You can take that step today. Maybe you just need prayers today. Encourage you to pray with somebody around you. Just put your arm around them, pray over them, pray with them, or ask them to pray for you, or come pray with one of our shepherds. We've got the compliment here today. No lack of people to pray with you. But let's stand now and let's declare. It's because of you, God, as we worship together.